standing, why don't you get your Bibles in your hands while you're already standing, and let's read the scripture for tonight. Yes, play that. Huh? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mark chapter 6, Mark chapter 6. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mark chapter 6, drop down to verse 7 through verse 13. Verse 7 through verse 13. And you can read it aloud with me. Let's read it together. And he called the twelve to himself and began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. He commanded them to take nothing for the journey except the staff no bag, no bread, no copper in their honey belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. Also he said to them, in whatever place you enter a house, stay there till you depart from that place. And whoever will not receive you nor hear you, when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. So they went out and preached that people should repent, and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Amen. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated in the presence of God. We have been uh, in a series entitled Handling Life's challenges, and so we're going to go back into that series. Um, what the text is about tonight is about what the disciples are commissioned to do. And in order to kind of get you in that frame of mind, I've asked the audiovisual ministry to play a short video so that you can kind of look at what the disciples might have experienced in this reenactment. So we'll play the video now. I send you to gather my sheep. Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Simon Barjona, by the authority of the holy priesthood that I hold. Rabbi, I beseech thee, my little daughter. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses, nor script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. And into whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till ye go thence. The commissioning that Jesus gives to them as he sends them out, prepared to uh, go and begin ministry, what you really have here is that the purpose of their calling is being now realized. 
They are realizing what God had called them initially to do. They're getting an opportunity to now actually do some preaching. They have been by Jesus' side as he preached. They have watched him as he ministered, as he laid hands, as he taught the word. Now they're getting a chance to spread their wings independently and go forward to do ministry. And Jesus prepares them for that, but he does something that is interesting. He, he, he wants them to go and to preach. Mark chapter 3, verse 14. Mark 3, verse 14 says that when he called them, he said, then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that, they, that he might send them out to preach. So they fulfilled the be with him part. Now they're getting to the sending them out part. So they have been with him. Now he says, I'm going to send you out that you can be used. Now, this is important because he has now taken them from being uh, those persons who were uh, armor bearers, so to speak, those persons who shadowed him in ministry as apprentices, those persons who were students, disciples, to now making them fishers of men, as he once promised unto the apostle Peter. What is interesting about that is verse 7 tells us something that is very important. Verse 7 says to us that he called the 12 to himself and he began to send them out two by two. He doesn't send them out alone. He doesn't send them out alone. I, I tell people all the time, most times when you get a visit from deacon or deaconess, they'll be with someone else. Two by two. It is important that you learn the power of being around other powerful people. The power of having friends, the power of having someone join you in ministry. You, you, you all have to realize that the church is gathered when there's more than one. Because where two or three are gathered in my name, he says I'm in the midst to bless the needed one. So that if the moment I have another witness with me, we're having church. And what means that, that the two of us can bring church wherever we're going. We can stand there and bring what God is trying to do. It's important about the Ecclesiastes has a text that is subheaded the value of a friend. And if you turn for a moment to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. You don't have to stand, just verses 9 through 12. Here's what the word says. Two are better than one. Look at somebody say, neighbor. Always find a partner. You don't have to marry him. You don't have to be close. It doesn't have to be anything other than platonic. You, but have a partner. Amen. Get somebody, get somebody you can pray with. Get somebody you can share with. Because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. For he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. 
the other day, uh, a couple people got trapped in a cave. And uh, when they got trapped, there are two separate cave trap incidences that happened the last week. In one case, uh, um, they were trapped, and as they got trapped in the cave, one of the people that were there was able to make his way out, swimming through muddy water and couldn't see anything, and got his way out. He couldn't get his friends out, but he found a way to get himself out, and by getting out himself, he was able to go and secure help to get his friends out. Now, had he been down there alone and no one knew he was there, once the oxygen ran out, unless the Lord himself had come and picked him up, it might have been over. So there's, there's power in the dynamic that Jesus is teaching, and the power relates to how he wants us to be together and the strength that he wants us to have. But notice something else. And, and I'm dealing with, in case you haven't figured it out yet, I'm dealing with handling life's challenges. Now, what I just told you just now, if you're paying attention, I told you you're going to handle your challenges better if you don't try to do it alone. All of you loners out there, the only thing you get to have is a fetal position and a cover over your head. Hello? You need to make sure that you're making friends and making people around you that you can have somebody to help cover you, to cover you in prayer and in conversation. How many times have you made a bad decision because you didn't get counsel? The Bible says in a multitude of counsel, there's safety. Some of the dumbest thoughts that have ever happened have happened in your head by yourself. Gratefully, the reason you're here tonight is most of them you were able to cast out on your own. But some of them have gotten you in some situations. Some have even been lifelong. Someone looked at me and their, their face said, you ain't right. But they know that the truth is being told. The reality is, I mean, look, I have tried to counsel people and tell people, look, you, you really should pray about this. Think of this another way. I, I've, I've even tried to stand in front of the altar in front of folks and no, no, you don't want to get married. No, no. This ain't it. I'm not looking at anybody. I'm looking. You have no clue. Look, just because you have a partner, a prayer partner, a good counselor, doesn't mean you're going to take good counsel. But it does mean at least you get another voice. Amen? Amen. Now, now notice now, I'm still in verse 7. Notice what Jesus does. He sends them out two by two. And before he sends them out, the scripture says, verse 7, and gave them power over unclean spirits. And gave them power. Now, the Greek word here is the word exousia. Exousia. Now that word is, is given to us, and that's spelled E-X-O-U-S-I-A. E-X-O-U-S-I-A. Exousia. It's the kind of the word we use for execute. You can execute this document. This is the exousia. Listen, it is permission. 
It is authority. It is the right or the liberty or the power to do something. So he gave them exousia, the power to do something. Now, 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 now you have to realize this does not preclude any hindrances that will come along. And we'll talk about those in the, the, the latter part of the message. This doesn't preclude any hindrances, but they are given the power in preparation for the hindrances. Oh, you need to stay with me for a moment. Jesus does not try to tell them when you go out, it's all going to be gravy, baby. You're walking in my name. You got my anointing. All you got to do is walk out there, tell them who you are, tell them who you represent, and everything's going to line up. He does not try to trick them into ministry. He tells them up front, I am giving you exousia, authority, power to do something. And when you go out there to do it, it is not going to be without challenges. Now, one of the things that if you've noticed that I've been trying to do as a pastor and as a leader is to keep you from ever getting under the delusion that being in Christ means you won't go through anything. Or doing something for Christ means you're not going to have any hard times. Oh, I'm doing it for the Lord. It's going to work out. Yes, all things will work out for the good. But it doesn't mean you won't go through H-E double hockey sticks on your way to the good. If you can't get the spelling, just keep thinking it, it sinks down after a while. It, it's the reality. He gives them this prior to their going out, never restraining them into believing that everything's going to work out perfectly. He says, I'm going to give you this right, this authority, this capability. I'm giving you power. Now, now, now understand this. He says, I'm even going to give it to you over unclean spirits. Now, when we look at this text, we enter into one other area that's interesting, starting at verse 8. If you go down and get your text out, starting at verse 8. In verse 8, he says, and he commanded them to take nothing for the journey except the staff, no bag, no bread, no copper in their bunny belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. Hold up, wait a minute. Some of y'all would not have made it in it. Some of y'all can't go for a three-day journey without three bags. You need one bag for your makeup. And you brothers are no different. You think you need to wear a different pair of Tims or sneakers, Nikes every day. You got, you got, you on a three day trip, you got three pairs of shoes. Cause if the shoes don't match the, the shirt, it ain't working. I'm an equal opportunity truth teller. You know, we do have deacons that can escort members out. <laughs> I'm trying to go somewhere. 
notice now that he gives them a list of do nots, of prohibitions, of things that it would look like you really might need. So I wanted to look at that for a moment, but look at it in context with the other two passages that show this. So now we have Mark 6 is the one we're looking at. So get to Matthew chapter 10, and then when you get there, get Luke 9. So Matthew 10, Matthew 10, 9 and 10, and Luke 9, 9 and 3. And up on the board, those scriptures are, are there. Hold them up there for a moment. Don't, don't get in a hurry. Just leave them up there, brother. Um, so in Matthew 10, verse 9 and 10, he says, Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs. For a worker is worthy of his food. Pay close attention to the wording. Luke 9, verse 3. And he said to them, take nothing for the, for the journey, neither staffs, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics apiece. Now, when you read those lists, they're not identical. They both are recording the same event, but they're not identical. If you clo notice closely enough, and you go back and read it when you get home, leave it up there for just a moment again. Matthew and Luke, Jesus enjoins them not to take a staff. No staff in Matthew and Luke. But Matthew then adds, go back to the Matthew 10 text. Matthew adds something else. He says, no sandals. So don't take extra pair of shoes. Okay, now, Jesus, you sending us out to walk in the desert on rocks. I might just need an extra pair of Tim's on this ride. I'm sorry, that 21st century, first century BC, in the, anyway, you know what I mean. It's interesting how he projects this. And I'm gonna, I wanna throw some things out about what he says here and why we think they're there. If you, if you look at your Bible in Exodus chapter 12, verse 11. Exodus chapter 12, verse 11. The Passover meal was there given to them and they were to do it on the night when the death angel would come through and they would paint the, the, the doorposts in blood and they would cover the doorpost and then they were told how to dress while they ate the meal. And notice what they're told to do here. Verse 11 says, and thus you shall eat it with your belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, so you shall eat in haste it is the Lord's Passover. So that's kind of interesting. He, 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 the, the Passover meal, they were supposed to be dressed a certain way. And I think that one of the reasons for that Passover meal distinction is that they were in the midst of transition, getting ready to leave one place, one set of circumstances permanently. 
never to return, and they were to go out in mass the way God wanted them to. In this situation, Jesus is not looking for them to be in a hurry. Y'all stand with me? I don't want you going in places like, like this is going to be something I got to rush through. I don't want you sitting at the table looking like you got somewhere else to be. There's nothing worse than talking to somebody that, that looks like they're already too busy when you start talking to them. It look, look like they're just tolerating you instead of celebrating you. Hello? And he, here he said, slow down. I want you to be present where you are. I, I, I said this a few days ago, and I'm going to teach this. I have not taught it the way I want to teach it, so expect in the next few months, I want to come back and really talk about this idea of letting your heart and mind be where your feet are. Letting your heart and mind be where your feet are. There are a lot of times when we are physically one place, but we are mentally somewhere else. And we don't know the disjointedness that it causes. And Jesus is saying, I need you to be fully present where you are doing this work. Fully engaged in the work. Now, now, if you look again, he says, I don't want you to take anything with you that you used to would take. So he says, um, the, the first one says no staff. Okay, we're going to leave that alone. He said no bag. Lord, no bag? I know some of y'all stuck on them bags. Y'all, them bags. No bag. No, no bag and no tunic. Okay, no bag, no, no bag, no bread, no, no moolah. Uh, let me help you here. He wanted them, watch this now, this is important you get this. He wanted them to leave his presence totally depending on God. Totally depending on God. What would the second tunic be used for as a traveler? As a traveler, the second tunic is either used as a bedroll, put your head on, or as a blanket to sleep under. He says, you're not going to need that because hospitality is going to be extended to you because you're leaving under my authority and favor is going to go with you everywhere you go. Y'all see how it ties in? You, you don't have to worry about anything. No, you don't have to worry about carrying the food. You're not going to starve to death. You're not going to be in want of money because wherever you go, favor is going to be attached to it. I used to tell people all the time, I don't need money if I can get what money buys. Y'all missed it, went over your head. Let me tell you something. You, 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 you've got to realize sometimes you're worrying about the money in your pocket, but you need to understand that God can supply you without the money because he knows how to bless you. 
I'll give you an example. I was in college, I was in need of a car. I didn't have, my, my transportation had really gone down. I was driving a 1972 beautiful Buick Lecture 225, Deuce and a I still love that car. I'm trying to find that car to this day. I'm gonna find it. But it was, it, but, but, old, but old Betsy was about on the last leg. And I needed a car. And so uh, my mother was great friends with a beautiful lady, Regina Woolley, I never will forget it. And uh, my mother told me that, that Miss Regina wanted me to come and stay at her house in, in uh, Fort Lauderdale, and just outside of Fort Lauderdale, but you, you don't even know all that. I have no idea who my mother's friend is. She said, she wants you to come stay with us. I said, okay, I'm, I'm gone. If you want me to go, I'll go. She, she said, she's already sent you a ticket. Fly down. I was in school in Alabama. Fly to Fort Lauderdale. Okay, I'm going to Fort Lauderdale. That's the, that's the plan. So I got in the plane, flew to Fort Lauderdale. She came to pick me up in a beautiful white Cadillac. And I got and said, ooh, this is a beautiful Cadillac. This is a beautiful car. She said, oh, son, this is a Florida Ford. A Florida Ford? I'd never heard that before. I don't know if you, I don't know if y'all ever heard that. It's, it's a Cadillac. I mean, it's a Cadillac, and it was new. It's a Cadillac. So she took me to her house. Good Lord of Moses. The gate opened up on the way into the gated community. The house was bigger than the church. <laughs> I had no idea she had it like that. I really didn't. Beautiful. So she loved my mother. She loved us. So I go in there here, and she says, well, what do you want to eat for dinner? And I, so now I'm young. I'm like, well, I'll eat whatever, you know, you're eating. She said, would you like a nice steak? I said, I said if that's what you're going to eat. <laughs> Look, I got manners. The two parts of that story, number one, I got manners. And number two, I don't got money. I got a lot of manners, but I got no money. So I'm eating whatever you say we eat. She says, oh, great, great. That's, let's go to the butcher and get some steaks. Go to the butcher? Why would you say steak if you didn't have none of the house? I'm willing to eat whatever you got. She said, let's go to, let's go to the So we go outside. This time she opens the garage. She said, let's take this right here. That booger rolled out a Rolls Royce. Y'all know I got the Holy Ghost, right? I cannot tell you that it was the Spirit that uttered it, but I start speaking in tongues. Long story short, while I was there, she was really kind. I stayed the weekend. Time for me to get ready to leave. She said, I understand your car's not that great. I said, well, ma'am, I don't know how you know that, but... Yeah. She said, uh, let's go buy this dealership. Took me to the car dealership, pick out what you like, and bought me a car. And I never made a payment. See, y'all, y'all, let me, I'm trying to tell you something. You don't need money if you can get what money buys.
You're sitting around thinking the only way God's going to bless you is that you get a whole bucket of money. No, God can let people sow into your life. So needless to say, I didn't fly back to Alabama. But I want y'all to know, I sure prayed up some prayers in that house before I left. I left my anointing in that place because I wanted her blessed. Now, now, I said that to tell you that the lesson Jesus was trying to teach was a total dependence upon God that would not require you to necessarily be able to identify the source of your blessing as into who or what God was going to use to give it to you, but to know that ultimately it was going to be from God. Y'all getting where I'm going? Um, y'all, you don't mind if I tell this about Carter? Any of you do, you can't stop me, I'm talking. <laughs> My daughter wanted to go, go to graduate school. She's working on trying to go. Now look, we done spun out. I ain't got no more. Mom, mama and I are tapped. By the time we pay off what we already got, I don't even want to tell you what the debt looked like. By the time we pay off that, Jesus might already be here. I see, I, since Father, you understand what I'm talking about? Yes, she's nodding her head. Yes, Lord, Jesus. So when they, they talk about going to graduate school and she wants to do a PhD in sciences, okay. I, I'm starting to sing nearer my God to thee. Listen, we're walking, I'm walking down the parking lot. Brother Carter says to me, said, do you know anybody interested in the sciences? I got a good friend, Dr. Washington. He started going on talking. I'm looking at him like, boy, are you serious? Everything that she's looking for, Dr. Washington's looking for, who's a friend of Brother Keith Carter, is what my daughter's looking for to get into graduate school. And he says, hold up, let me get her. I'm going to tell her all about it right now. I promise you, just as God promises, not only did I get one daughter in, I got mama and I got two. Now, now y'all don't hear me. I'm still in debt. And I'm using the personal pronoun because my wife was smart enough not to sign that plus loan. <laughs> She said, that's your dead big daddy. If you go before me, it'll go with you. <laughs> I've got to teach this lesson, y'all. I'm trying to be helpful. The, the point I'm making is there's no way that he could have known or she knew the desires of her heart. She was back in school prepping, doing all the work ready to get ready to get into a 
different kind of program in the sciences. She was doing the work she couldn't have known. Are you listening? And she certainly couldn't know, have known that not only did they have a scholarship in the PhD program that she could get into, but they had money to fund her in the program and money to fund her housing. Y'all ain't listening to what I'm talking about. Look at somebody, tell them, neighbor, I don't need money if I can get what money buys. Are y'all paying attention? I'm trying, I'm putting, I'm trying to put a word to you. I'm trying to tell you why Jesus said, Jesus says, I don't need you to have it yourself. I'm talking to somebody broke, busted, and think you're disgusted. Just because you don't have it right now doesn't mean God didn't give you the vision. Doesn't mean that God didn't tell you he's going to bless you. Doesn't mean that God, you've been counting your money. You've been counting the money in your bank, the money in your 401k, the 403b. You've been counting all of your resources, and they're not adding up. But what you need to know is you can always count on God. God, I, I could teach this all night. I, I got to press on. I got a lesson I'm trying to give here. Stay with me for a little while. So he prohibits them. Now notice now, he says don't carry a bag. And you might say to yourself, why not carry a bag? Because many times in the uh, Greco-Roman world, when they carried a bag, it would be used for begging. And in some places, they even called it a beggar's bag. And Jesus says, I don't want you begging. Oh, I'm teaching tonight, y'all. You can help me if you want to. He says, you won't have to beg anybody for anything because I've already set you up. Everything you need, he says, I'm going to supply it. All of your needs, I'm going to supply it. I'm going to supply every one of your needs. I'm going to take care of you. Cast all of your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Every need you have, I'm going to supply it. Every need. I don't care what the need is, Jesus promises to supply. I, I, I'm, I'm almost out of time. I, I've been talking too long, but let me... Let me, let me try and give you a little more here. The Bible says he, he, he gave them power, exousia, over unclean spirits. I, I want to tell you this. He prepares them emotionally. Stay with me now. He prepares them emotionally to handle life's challenges. And by challenges, I mean hindrances. And the first challenge he prepared them for was to handle demons. Y'all. 
He says, I need you to know that when you leave my presence now, you're going to run into some demons. And when you run into those demons, I don't want you running away. I want you to know you have power over unclean spirits. I walked in my class yesterday in my, my teaching course and one of my Muslim students, very beautiful young lady, spoke up. She said, she said, I, do, have you ever had an uh, issue where you, 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 does your church cast out demons? Did they, they do that at your church? I said, I said well, yeah. I, I, you know, I kind of got to be a little careful. I'm being politically correct here. I, I don't know where this story is going to, where it's coming. So she asked me a question. I, I talked, we talked, and she, she wanted to know, did, have you ever, have you ever cast out a demon? And I said, yeah. Well, Gloria, forgive me. The, the first story I told her, y'all give me a few extra minutes tonight, I'm gonna tell this real quick. The first story I told her was about the time when we were young. Now, the way I remember it is I was sick, but Gloria wasn't as sick, but she was sick of school. So she was kind of playing hooky. Now, y'all know my mama. My mama had one of the greatest anointings in this world, prophetic. She could call spirits out. They bring a woman to the house. At a time, they thought all the kids would have been in school for mama to pray for. This woman was off the chain. I don't mean to laugh, y'all. Y'all understand it a minute. So now, I was young, I was still young, but I had been working with my mother, praying, and we've been dealing with demons and evil spirits. So Gloria and I are in the back room. My mama's out front getting ready to pray. So my mother calls me. The only way she can, you know when mama calls, tells me to come out and help. So I get up and run out there to help. I'm, we up there praying and carrying on. When mama got that demon out, cause she showed up did, she prayed that spirit out. When she was done, I went back to check on Gloria. <laughs> Gloria was in the closet, <laughs> on the floor, saying, Jesus, Jesus, the blood, the blood, the blood. Wait for this, this is the best part right here. I don't think Gloria ever missed another day of school. <laughs> she tried to go for the perfect attendance record. She, one arm hanging up. I think I can make it, Mama. I'm gonna make it. I can make it. <laughs> I gotta go, y'all. I know that ain't right. I shouldn't even tell that. I shouldn't should be telling these stories. Casted out demons. I'm glad you were here to hear it yourself. Listen, listen, listen. I would tell another story, but I gotta hurry up. My time is up. <laughs> my, tell it anyway. No, it's not about you. Last demon story, real quick. I get to college, 
and I'm, I'm saved full of the Holy Ghost. So I, I, I first went to Selma University. I left Selma early to go play football at Alabama A&M. So I arrived at Alabama A&M in the summertime, and there wasn't that many people there in the summertime, and I wanted to get, get, get my, my academics up where I wanted to be and get ready for you know, the, big, the big time. I'm up here, I'm gonna play football. So I'm there, and everybody knows I'm a preacher. There's a guy who is demon-possessed in the dorm. Everybody knows I'm a preacher. So they come downstairs, come upstairs to get me. They said, they said, see if, if, if Watts can pray for him. So I go down with them to pray. I don't know any of these guys. I'm just getting to campus, summer school. You haven't met a whole lot of people yet. I met a few fraternity brothers, you know, that kind of thing. So I get down there, and I'm going down there, and there's a lot of guys in there. These are all Christians. They all belong to the BSU, you know, the, 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 the Black Christian Student Union. We all saved, and they're ready to pray. So we go in the room. I go in the room, and, and he's... I don't even want to describe it. I can do that another time. My, my time's really shot. But I, so he, things are going crazy and it's chaotic. They can't hold him. They can't control him. I lay hands on him and rebuke the evil spirit. He falls out and it's a bunk bed and he's out on the floor and they lay him on the bed. He's laying on the bottom bunk. He's out. He's out. So they're all walking around trying to say, oh man, well, praise God. God, man, you did a great. I said, this is not over. This evil spirit is playing possum. Well, these guys didn't understand what I was saying. They're about 10, maybe, I don't know how many guys there. So I'm standing there trying to explain to them this is not over. This cat came up off the bed sideways feet never hit the ground into the room and would you know every one of them jokers them boys were hauling there was only one person standing there and that was A.G. Deacon Miles I said that's a friend right there a friend is one that'll stay with you when a demon is flying Jesus gave them power to cast out demons. Now, it's important that you realize that the expulsion of evil spirits had to happen and that God gave us power within the church. We ought never let a demon take over nothing. If you don't want to come out spiritually, we can at least get you out of here physically. Are you listening? You, you, a demon has no right to take over where righteous people who have authority are, are at. Jesus gave them power over demons, but, and, and, and I know I've got to go, but he, he gave them a second power, and I've got a bunch of scriptures here I really want to give you, but my time is up, but he gave them a second power, because I'm not coming back to this next week. I've got a whole different thing I want to do. He gave them a second power over discouragement. Let me tell you something. A part of handling life's challenges is going to be handling your demons and rebuking them. They can be in your home. 
They can be on your job. They can be in loved ones that you have. They can be in your marriage. They can be in your friendships. A part of handling life challenges is going to be handling demons. The second part of handling life challenges is going to be handling discouragement. What do you mean, Reverend, discouragement? He says, he says, you need to realize, verse 11 says, and whosoever will not hear you when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Here's the inoculation against rejection. Y'all getting it? I'm going to inoculate you against rejection so that you don't get hurt if somebody doesn't want to receive truth. It's not your responsibility to make somebody believe. I'm going to make you believe. I'm going to make you get this truth. I'm going to make you. No, you can't do that. All you can do is give truth. And when it's not received, Jesus says, shake the dust off your feet. Okay. The last one, the last one, the last, the last one. And, and it's not only discouragement, but it's also an inoculation against defeat. He says, he says you're going to be discouraged because some not going to receive you. And you're going to be discouraged because you're going to feel that you have not done enough to save them. And Jesus says to them, same verse, Assuredly, I say to you, it'll be more tolerable in Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. In other words, what you thought was your defeat was really theirs. Because, listen to me, saints, you can't be defeated because you've already won. Come on, give God a praise in this place. Come on. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, I love you all with the love of the Lord. I hope you enjoyed Bible study tonight. I'll see you again. Amen. <laughs>